What's up, what's up, what's up, Humana Radio family and friends? It is the top of the hour, and right now you know what that means. It is the H2O live talk show with my girl Candace Goins and my man Chuck Stevens. What's happening, peoples? Uh, are you ready to talk about some interesting stuff today, Candace? Like things so that ready. are. Uh, <laughs> I bet you are. Uh, I'm so ready. We have uh, many special guests today. We have on the phone. Jeff Kennison, not to be confused with Sam Kennison, who passed away but had a very good laugh. Uh, Patrick Murta, Sil, 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 I know that I'm bludgeoning that Sil, uh, Kissel, and Holly Kessinger, who is my boss. Uh, I invited her just so she knows that I, hard, actually, Holly. that I actually, that I actually work right. during the <laughs> noon hour. So, Holly, just, just as working. I told you, we are working. Uh, this is this is working, but they are going to talk to us a little bit today about uh, data sharing, CMS, and interoperability. And a lot of these uh, topics are are hot uh, hot topics. Not to be confused with the mall store, although I do shop there uh, at Humana. That is really transforming us into this this technical company, and we wanted to have these folks on today to walk us through a little bit of this. And and I got to tell you, Candice, as and you're a, a perfect uh, person to witness this for me. This group of folks are wound pretty tight when it comes to preparing for a very short, real segment. Uh, and so I have enjoyed watching the squirming uh, that has gone on uh, while this was being created. So thank you, guests, for that. Uh, so let's kick this thing off, okay? Uh, we need to level set a little bit, so we're going to do a little bit of level setting up front. Uh, my first question uh, is going to go to uh, Mr. Patrick Murta. Uh, so what in the wide world of sports is this thing called interoperability? And why is it so hard to say? How does it relate to Humana's strategic uh, ICD? Our, I'll let you say what that is. And how this is being driven at the Humana enterprise level. So so what is all this stuff we keep hearing about? Well, that's a great question, Chuck and Candace. And, you know, before I jump into it, I do want to say that when I was a little boy, my mother always said that I had a face for radio. So it looks like she was definitely right. And I appreciate the opportunity to come today. All right, so jumping right into it, um, before we get into what interoperability is, let me quickly hit on Humana's strategy called integrated care delivery. Chuck, and you kind of mentioned it there, but let me go a little bit deeper because once we get into that, it will make interoperability a lot clearer, right? And integrated care delivery is a really fancy term that means we are trying to bring together all the components of the care model to keep members healthy and happy, right? In today's world, we have a fragmented model, right? You go from doctor to doctor, your medical records may not go, consumers, you know, members don't have a good way to access information on their phones necessarily from Humana um, using industry standards. And what integrated care delivery is meant to do is provide the right data at the right time in the right workflow, right? As opposed to gap, you know, guessing at care gaps, not knowing which lab's been done previously, uh, not knowing about a patient's health status and that type of thing, uh, fact, or providers even using fax machines and phone calls to get things done. Integrated care delivery is about removing that so that we're sharing information, we're all working on the same you know, uh, plateau, so to speak, and patients and providers get the best experience. Now, now that we have an 
you know, an understanding of what integrated care delivery is, right? The future of healthcare. Let's talk about a couple of definitions. Uh, we already mentioned interoperability, but interoperability is really a subset of a broader category called data exchange. I'm sure that everybody uh, on the panel here today and everybody listening probably understands what data exchange is. It basically means, in a very broad term, getting data from point A to point B in any way, shape, or form, right? Could be a proprietary format, uh, could be whatever, could be a file. Interoperability is different, right? Interoperability still is concerned with getting information from point A to point B, for example, from Humana to a provider or Humana to a mobile app, but it does it using standards, right? So standards that the industry has adopted, that Humana has helped create, so that we basically build these things once, you know, these APIs that you talked about, Chuck, and folks have a much cleaner, cleaner, more scalable way to access data. We're not reinventing the wheel for everybody that wants access to our information or that for any hospital system that wants to share information, whatever. We're using industry standards. And interoperability is the foundation and the primary enabler of the integrated care delivery model that I just mentioned, right? So when you have interoperability, which we're talking about today, then you can do cool things such as integrated care delivery, right? Now, another couple key features about interoperability is that it's not just a technical thing, right? In the old days, we always we had a clear division between you know, those technical things, those you know, guys with the funny glasses and the pocket protectors are doing versus how the business actually operates. From a humana perspective, Interoperability is an enterprise initiative, right? It's business teams, it's operations teams, it's analytics teams, it's the IT teams, everybody, right? Even Humana Radio. So we're all involved in interoperability. So we're, we're approaching it from a strategic level. It's not a case in which we're doing, hey, individual departments are responsible for their own uh, interop strategy or whatever the case may be. Our goal is to have a cohesive enterprise approach to interoperability to enable integrated care delivery. I said all those buzzwords at least 14 times during my first two minutes, right? Wow. Um, yeah, so just one more statement before we go to the next one is, you know, as we're kind of talking today um, and talking about interoperability in the CMS rules, you know, since we're approaching this from an enterprise perspective, you're, if, if folks are thinking they're on their own to help, you know, their department meet that, that's not the case. So, if you haven't been contacted by us, you think that you are impacted by the rules, please feel free to reach out. Well, I, I've got to say, I thought Snapchat and TikTok were, were like, hard. Uh, this, this definitely is a lot of stuff going on there behind the scenes. Uh, however, that translates into simplicity for our providers and our members, which is the most important thing. Uh, so we're very happy that the pocket protector wearers are working on this type stuff. Now, I, I believe that you told me there there is some interaction uh, with uh, a recent ruling by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, uh, and, and you all actually had to react to that. Uh, and that kind of uh, was the impetus behind this conversation. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and why that's important? Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually a great question, Chuck, because all the work that Humana has been doing, again, to achieve that integrated care delivery using inoperability was greatly moved forward by some work that CMS did um, starting last year. Actually, it started well before that, but there was a proposal that came out in March of uh, 2019 and was finalized just a couple of weeks ago, right? And this is basically CMS making a statement, making a regulation that they recognize that some of the uh, new technology and new approaches that we have with interoperability 
needs to be a federal mandate, right? So CMS is basically saying, yeah, we like interoperability, and we think healthcare in general should adopt these new interoperability standards so that folks can share information, so that we can reduce unnecessary costs, so that we can have patients and providers have the best possible experience and outcomes, right? So that's really what the CMS rule was trying to drive. It's 962 pages in length, so I can't go into great detail, but just to give you, you know, a high-level overview of what the rule actually says, and specifically how it relates to payers, because it does have a big impact on payers. And again, you know, so that folks are completely understanding what we're saying, we are a big fan of the rule, right? So we contributed to a lot of the content, um, and it, in many ways. Uh, basically, it uh, moves forward our path of interoperability that we're, we were already on, right? So the three key components from a Humana perspective um, are basically uh, what we call the patient access API. That's a really fancy way to say that all organizations, including Humana, will make available an API, an application programming interface, so that third-party developers and others can access it to get access to their medical information, right? So your claims information, uh, clinical information, you know, demographics, although you really should know your own demographics. But if you don't, you can use the API to get to that as well. And the reason that's important is because it, it puts consumers in the control seat. I know SEAL is going to talk about in this just a, in just a second, but one of the primary features of the rule is that all payers are basically mandated to make this API available so that uh, – uh, consumers, members, patients can use mobile devices or web pages or whatever their preferred tool is to access their information and then share that with others as needed, right? So that is the, the first major component of the rule. Um, it goes into effect in July of next year, 2021. The second major component is the provider directory. And you may be thinking, oh, the provider directory, that's not that cool. Actually, it is because in the CMS rule, provider directories are made available to prospective customers. So if somebody is shopping for human insurance, uh, they want to say, hey, which doctor is in network for this, you know, Medicare plan? And, you know, is my drug on the Humana formulary? So what that basically does is provide, you know, a, a platform for innovation and competition. So that as, you know, patients and members are looking between different plans, uh, they have complete visibility into what the provider networks look like and also, you know, what their drugs are going to look like on the new plan. And the third major component of the CMS role is what we call payer-to-payer data exchange, right? And before I know people are probably scratching their head, what's that mean? Payer-to-payer data exchange. And what that really means is uh, it's in the same line as what I talked on the provider directory. The fact that, you know, a, a major tenet of the CMS rule is that care coordination be enabled across the spectrum. So we want folks to have care coordination. I talked about that a second ago as it relates to integrated care delivery, right? And CMS has codified that. So what that means is, is if folks are moving between different insurance carriers like United to Humana or Cigna or Edna to Humana, pick your, your choice there, is that consumers have the ability, again, using a mobile device to say, you know, I'm going to transfer all of my data from my previous insurance company over to Humana, right? And the reason that's really important is because even in today's world, when a new member comes in, 
Um, we may have access to some of their history, but not usually until we start getting claims in. But with this particular model, we have knowledge of their medical past. You know, what um, what claims have they had before? What medications are they taking? Were they in, you know, care management programs with their previous payer? Do they have any authorizations or referrals that we need to look at immediately so there's not a gap in care? So again, CMS rules, you know, 962 pages long. You've got the Reader's Digest version in about three minutes there, Chuck and Candace. Lord have mercy. That is a treasure trove of information. And just for everyone that's uh, playing along at home, this will be uh, distributed as a podcast, so you can play that over and over and over uh, as you want to uh, uh, go to go to bed at night uh, to the sweet stylings of Patrick Murda. So uh, that is a, a ton of information, and it's exciting. Uh, but here's here's my question. Uh, why do rules matter from CMS? Like, like, why is that such a big deal? Because obviously I know we're in a highly regulated industry, but like, like, why does that really matter? Hey, Chuck, it's Seal. I'm a product manager in the Experience Center, and that's a great question. Um, you know, this is something that we talk about a lot. Uh, the interoperability ruling is truly disruptive in the healthcare industry as we know it. I hear this from our legal team just about every day, what a complete paradigm shift it is for the industry. While, of course, we're still bound by HIPAA to protect our members' data from any unauthorized access, consumers now are going to have the power to share their own data instantly with whatever digital application they choose, whether that be a competitive insurance company, their provider group, or even a health tracking and visualization app just for fun. Their data in this world will be much more portable. And the flip side of that is it comes with a catch for the consumer. It's now going to also be their responsibility to understand the risks of sharing that data with other entities. While, of course, the industry had already been moving in this direction of wanting to open up um, options for interoperable sharing, as Patrick has alluded to, the ruling really is helping solidify that all healthcare companies start to use the same standards for data formatting and data exchange. And then finally, also I think it's important to note that you know, we're not allowed to hide anything. We are required by the ruling to make our data exchange capabilities available publicly so that any application can request access to integrate and receive data. First of all, Seal, thank you for that information, but are you in a studio? Because your your sound quality is magnificent. <laughs> it's the Sennheiser uh, headset that all of the members of the XC get outfitted with. It's Sennheiser. Okay, I'm going to go buy one of those today for real. Uh, I can't even hear you now, Candice. Are you talking? Well, I was. There you are. Okay. You quit playing with the dog. Uh, so... <laughs> I know that there is there's key technology involved uh, with interoperability. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, Fire F H I R and and why that's relevant? I know that that's a, a big a big thing for you all. Sure, absolutely. I don't want to bore everybody on the call, um, but without getting into too much detail, it is the industry specification that Patrick was referring to earlier. Um, it's the result of collaboration from many different healthcare companies, including folks like us, um, driving towards the goal of exchanging data seamlessly with one another. The specification dictates not only how the data should be formatted um, for a lot of different health categories, 
but also how our data exchanges, connections, or APIs, regardless of whatever you want to call it, should expect to be able to be called from an external entity, and then how in return they should respond to a call. So in this model, if we're all operating off the same playbook or using the same recipe, uh, we'll be able to achieve that vision of exchanging data across entities without the need for what we often find can be onerous documentation review and lengthy onboarding processes. So it makes all of our lives easier. I see. Uh, onerous. Did you get that one there, Reggie? I heard that one. Yeah. Onerous. I love that. <laughs> Uh, and, and while we while we have Holly on the spot, uh, Seal said that those those Sennheiser uh, headsets we could probably pick some of those up on my corporate card. So let me know after if we can order. Oh, yeah, those. yeah, I'm just checking Sorry, the budget on that one. Okay. Well, I mean, we got poor Patrick over there on his flip phone or burner phone. Uh, so, so you know, we gotta we gotta up his the go phone. Yeah, the go phone. All right, so. Candace, you want to ask the next question? Yeah, what are we, what are, so this is all really interesting information and, and hearing it from, you know, the outside is is uh, a lot different than um, getting the inside scoop from you guys today. So, so what exactly are we doing to respond to the ruling? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a great question, Candace. And before we go any further, I do want everybody to know I spent a full $9 on these headsets. So if they don't sound that good, they got to go back. All right. Now, with that being said, <laughs> um, the first key thing to talk about, uh, Candace, is what we call data liber uh, liberation or data democratization. I know those are they're buzzwords, but what they basically mean is that Humana is a treasure trove of data. And I mean that in, you know, heartfelt. The fact that we've got a lot of data on our members that's very valuable, right? And still talked about uh, the fire spec and that type of stuff, but making our internal data, which is not necessarily, not necessarily, it is never, almost never in a, you know, an industry standard format because, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, but we still need to surface that information. So in many ways, you know, what we're doing from the outward facing APIs, you know, the uh, interoperability that we talked about a second ago is only part of the puzzle. The, the, the other part of the puzzle, and quite honestly, probably a little bit bigger, is getting the data out of our core systems, right? The rule requires that we go back all the way to 2016, you know, to get, you know, information from claims and uh, medical records and lab results and those types of things. So there is, you know, a, a time frame related to that. And since most of our current, you know, enterprise services don't go back that far, um, we, we basically have to go back to the teams and say, hey, we want to liberate your data. And they look at us, and then we explain to them, oh, what we want to do is work with you to basically get information out of those core platforms, out of those big databases, and make it available in you know, our API so that we can serve it up to the outside world. And, and to do that, a lot of what we're doing is reusing existing, uh, existing you know, sources, things that you probably interact with on a daily basis. If you're you know, doing your daily job or on MyHumana or in one of our operating platforms, a lot of the data that you're uh, operating on probably to do your jobs, you know, claims information, uh, information in e-com and CGX and others, um, is basically uh, the same information that we're getting a longer history on. Wow. I'd also um, tag on to that. So once Patrick and team have gone through all of the corners of Humana and liberated all of our historical data, 
we then are making that data available to external entities through about 15 fire APIs. And that number may fluctuate a little bit depending on how we decide to implement um, throughout the year as we really get into it. But essentially, these APIs align to the categories that were specifically listed in the CMS ruling of the types of data that we must make available. They cover demographics, claims, coverage, and clinical history that Humana storms about our current as well as uh, previous members as long as they're in that time frame back to 2016. They, these APIs will also then be made available publicly through um, a developer portal experience. And then once an external application is integrated with Humana through that developer portal, consumers will be given the option to securely exchange their personal data with whatever that application, um, assuming they choose to do so. Yeah, and Chuck, um, this is Holly. I would just follow that up by saying that uh, this is truly an enterprise effort, and one of the really cool things about what you're hearing Seal and Patrick talk about is that um, we've really come together from across the organization, uh, really all of the verticals, if you think about like William's organization, Alan's organization, Heather's organization, Sam's organization, and said, how do we deliver on this at scale for the enterprise and meet the needs of CMS, but then strategically what we're trying to do for interoperability? And um, so what you'll see as um, folks learn more about how we're working is that we've really brought this together um, strategically in the way that we're thinking about working together to deliver on this work and align to that um, interoperability as an initiative for the organization. So. We have multiple product teams that um, are working through that, and um, we're actually one of those um, initiatives that was uh, one of the first out of the gate with the enterprise agility work that both Megan Greeley and um, Daniel Robinson are leading. Yeah, but maybe just really quickly, Chuck and Candace, to tag team onto that. You know, we've talked about, you know, the foundational technology, integrated care delivery, interoperability, fire, uh, data libera liberation, all that kind of cool stuff. Uh, there's also the concept of pilots. So I'm going to quickly talk about one that uh, we're, we're, I'm working on, and also uh, uh, Seal's got a really good one as well. But, you know, this, this technology is really cool, right, and it helps us meet the rule, but it also allows us to do things beyond the rules, right? So, for example, uh, Seal mentioned the developer portal right that will you know have fire apis in it so we want folks to be able to use this work that's happening for these rules but since the data is not rule specific it's just payer data it's clinical data it's claims data it can be used for many purposes so you know having folks be able to access that developer portal and not try to build from the ground up you know use what we already have that's a really cool thing and then also taking that into a pilot you know we're, we're going to be working with some of our clinical organizations uh, to basically use these apis to transfer information from Humana to their doctor right there on the fly, and also to population health and stuff like that. So again, the doctors have the right information at the right time and the right workflow. Seal, can you quickly talk about your Apple Pilot? Sure, absolutely. Um, so we actually do have a really close working relationship with Apple, um, and we have really been engaging with them in hopes of having Humana be the first insurer integrated into the health records section of the health app. Um, working with Apple is not only exciting, but it is helping us really build confidence in the solutions that we've built out because they're stress testing our infrastructure and checking our outputs for quality assurance. 
Um, so fingers crossed that we'll be able to get integrated um, soon, and all of you guys will be able to pull your data into the health app. You know, the thing for me, like this is <laughs> to, to think that Humana could do this kind of work, like you know, a couple of years ago, with the amount of of oh, this this speaks to the the work that Daniel Robinson and Megan uh, are are doing. Uh, but just really reframing how we do work at Humana, which is, you know, just bonkers. Like if you think about where we were just a few years ago and where we are and the fact that you all can work on this stuff and actually bring it to, to bear is a, a, a huge uh, shout out to the company for their dedication to, to really working differently. So uh, I think it was really good. So we, we don't have a lot of time left. In fact, we have a very little time. Uh, Jeff Kennison, uh, how do we get more information on this? I know there may be folks that are listening that would like to follow up more or, you know, maybe have a question that we didn't cover. Uh, what, what resources are out there for, for this? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, as Holly mentioned, we are, we are organized and have um, – a uh, pretty well-coordinated group of folks across the enterprise that uh, many of which or, um, you know, could address any questions you guys have. But uh, probably the easiest avenue would be just to reach out to me, Jeff Kinnison, K-I-N-N-I-S-O-N, with any thoughts or any questions, and I can either address those or I can route those to uh, the right folks within that um, those working groups that can, can bring uh, uh, answers to you. So that's probably the, the best avenue at this point, Chuck. Thank you all uh, for your uh, not only your work, but also coming on and, and taking some time to share with us. We really appreciate it. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us.